Have you ever heard a gentle head massage and dozed off? Have you ever heard of a therapy called craniosacral therapy that uses gentle scalp touch and movement to promote well-being? Have you ever wondered how it works? What it can be used for? What its effectiveness is? And how does it compare to other approaches like traditional therapy or medication? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer these and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. I have a confession to make. Each time I go to the hairdresser and they give me a gentle head massage while washing my hair, I often doze off. I find the experience very relaxing and I'm sure that many people can relate with that. But did you know that there is a type of therapy called craniosacral therapy that promises to be effective in treating a wide range of conditions while promoting healing and well-being through a gentle touch of the body? So today we delve in the world of craniosacral therapy and we want to learn the principles and techniques of this therapy, its benefits and limitations possibly, as well as explore how craniosacral therapy differs from other forms of body work, how it can be integrated with other complementary or conventional therapies, and what advice we can give to those interested in trying it for the first time. And we dive into this fascinating conversation with today's guest, Etienne Persman. Etienne is the founder of Persman Cranio, as well as the Academy for Craniosacral Therapy in Holland, where he originated the Craniosacral Professional Organization, and is um, also an honorary member of the Dutch Craniosacral Practitioner Society. He produced the first ever online cranio class, which emphasizes stem cells and their superstar capabilities, the midline as a source of clarity, and easy ways to reach a no-mind state. And I'm pretty sure we will understand what that really means in a moment. Etienne is also a published author. His first book, Craniosacral Therapy for Babies and Small Children, was published by Penguin Random House. And he's about to publish his second book, I believe, Tantric Aspects of Craniosacral. Hi, Etienne. Welcome to the Forgiven Try Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Well, here means in England at this point, right? 
You are in England with me. <laughs> For those who don't know, I live in Seattle on the west coast of the US. So, yeah. That's the magic of internet. We were commenting on yeah. that just a moment before starting the recording. So um, I, I'm really, really happy to be talking with you today about this uh, uh, technique because I have to say, I didn't know anything about it. So all my information, all my knowledge today is uh, what I managed to find on internet to prepare for this episode. So I'm really, really excited to dive into the journey. But before going there, I would like to start with you, if don't, you don't mind. And in particular, to know how did you start with craniosacral therapy? So, yes, uh, it started with just therapy. Uh, I'm a child of the 60s, uh, last century, the 60s, the hippie movement, uh, the freedom that suddenly came after the wars. And, um, you know, I was brought up very strict uh, in uh, post-war Europe. And then the 60s happened, and it was just when I was a teenager. So it was all flower power and all that stuff, blowing uh, wheat and uh, doing all kinds of drugs and LSD, you know, just uh, getting out of the mold that uh, that era was all about. And, uh, yeah, that's that was my... Uh, you could say my my uh, my teenage years, and I got stuck in that. As so many people, I got stuck in uh, in that yeah freedom, in that getting out of society mold, not wanting to belong to the life of my parents. And of course, if you get stuck, that's not a good thing. And for me, that ended up with um, being yeah quite at the edge of society. Uh, so much so that uh, I became ad an addict of uh, a few drugs. And that led basically to my body giving up. At one point, my body uh, didn't want to move on anymore. I couldn't. Uh, it just gave up to, in such a sense that my kidneys gave up. Uh, one kidney was close to 70% dead material. I got infected by some very bad uh, a staphylococcus infection. And those bacteria, they're not malicious, they're just looking for food. And for them, my body was food. Yeah, all you can eat, yes. So they went to my heart, ate my valves, then went to my kidneys, started devouring my kidneys. So of course, my body couldn't move on anymore uh, with this one kidney that was still 70%, uh, not 70% working, but 70% devoured. And the other was 90%. So I had very limited kidney cap uh, left and a heart that wasn't working. So yeah, that was a death sentence. And, um, you know, of course, before that, let's go back in time. I already went into primal therapy, primal screen, bioenergetics, a lot of energetic work, a lot of screaming. Uh, that was the only thing available in those days, yeah, as therapy. And then, uh, yeah, that, that thing happened with the bacteria, which was basically total panic. Uh, 
like life is done. I'm, I had it. Um, I'm going to die. That was what everybody was saying, what I was feeling. And the doctors also, you know, it was the end of the line for me. And then, yeah, magic happened. I knew how to meditate already. And with the drugs, I had, yeah, not done any of that. But somehow, and we talked about this uh, a few minutes ago, if you go through a severe experience, you have to share. You have to share what you found out, what you discovered, what helped you. And somehow, yeah, the death that was so close didn't actually kill me. I went to the point of seeing my body disintegrate, but somehow not going there um, and surviving that near-death experience. And when that happened, that was such a shock. Uh, the meditation, um, when I was in that state, I went to a place where I felt safe. And they asked me, what can we do for you? There was nothing anybody could do. So I said, just give me a room and give me some meditation music and that's it. And the first meditation I did, in the middle of it, suddenly a shift happened. I went in total no mind. Uh, whatever panic, whatever thoughts I had, it just stopped. I just became totally silent. And at that moment I realized what happened to my body was my own choice. It's what I did what I was doing, what I needed to do. That was a strong feeling. I needed to go against all the conventions, all the programming that my parents and my teachers had put on me. So when that silence happened, it was also a total acceptance of this was my choice. This is where I am. And it was total peace. Of course, you know, when that happened, my body was still uh, so damaged that it couldn't move on. And I had to take a lot of medication to keep it going. So I told the doctor I was in the hospital at that point, you know, this medication is certainly going to kill me, you know. And he said, well, yeah, that's it. You, your body can't survive without it. I said, I'm not taking them anymore. I'm, I'll take care of it myself. So then another piece of magic happened. Uh, a friend of mine, I asked him to drive me to the woods in Belgium, in the south of Belgium. And uh, we ended there, you know, away from society in the middle of the woods. And I stayed there for four days. Uh, I knew that was the place for me to be. And I was looking for a place to sleep because his energy, my friend's energy, was too confined. We were in a small little tent and I needed space. So I started walking in the forest and I saw a, a patch of trees. It was dark, uh, but I saw a patch of trees 
where there was some kind of a light. And I went there, and of course, you know, it was just a patch of trees. There was no electricity, middle of the forest. But somehow, yeah, there was a, an embracing, a soft light there. Um, so I thought, uh, perfect place to sleep. At least I'm welcome here, the trees welcome me. So I went to sleep, and immediately I was out of my body, immediately. I saw the body on the earth, and I was out of it. I knew this was the right thing to do. But I was just watching the body, and in that night, a whole bunch of animals came by to see what's happening there. I saw foxes, I saw a few snakes, uh, there was a boar at one time, a mother with maybe 12 or 20, I don't know, of these small boars. And they were all, that was so amazing. They were so respectful. None of them touched the body. They just came and it seemed as if they knew what was happening to the body. So in the morning, it was the middle of the summer, the sun came up and warmed my body, and I could go back in the body. And I sat there the whole day. And it's not that I was meditating, but I was just sitting without any thoughts, just enjoying the sun, and meditation just happened. And this stayed like that, you know, that going in and out for four days. At night, I was out of the body. In the morning, I could go back in the body. And after four days, I told my friend, all right, we're done. I had no clue what happened, but my body felt right again. So we went back to the city. And uh, the next week I went to the hospital just for a checkup. But also to, to, to say to the doctor, hey, look at what happened. And they checked me and my fellows who were not there before I went, had regrown. And my kidneys were 100% back to normal. So instead of 70% on one side and 90% dead material, they were fully functional. So this was 1986 that this happened. And here I am, you know, so many years ago, later, yeah, with a full recovery. So, yeah, that was the wall that I hit, that the body just couldn't go on. And, uh, yeah, that experience of no mind, I was looking for, what can I do with that? Where is my place now in society? And then at one point, I took a, a massage course. And in the massage course, there was a four-day piece of craniosacral therapy. And as soon as that happened to me, I, it really opened my eyes. Okay, this, what I'm feeling now, is the closest that I know that brings me to that same place where the mind just stops and natural healing happens. Yeah, the same place that I experienced the moment that my body was dying, uh, the same place where, yeah, 
you go out of the mind. You don't try to control anymore. Everything about you're in charge falls away. It was up to the body and some other force than the body. You could say the life force itself. Yeah, um, with cranio, that was so clear that I could connect literally to the life force inside of me, the force that created the body. Yeah, the body was not created by the mind because the mind wasn't present yet. Yeah, it took years for it to develop. So that same force that created my body with cranio, and that's the beauty of it, it's so easy to access that feeling and to connect to it. So since that moment, I've that was probably 1990, that I connected to cranio, I haven't been doing anything since. Yeah, just sharing, because that's what the beauty of it is. It becomes so easy to bring people in that no-mind space with craniosacral. So, here I am. <laughs> wow, that is such a fascinating story. I really loved. And to be honest, I loved from the very first moment when you start talking about the compassion that you had for your virus and then the acceptance for what happened, that it was self-imposed. Uh, yeah. And the whole, the whole journey and uh, the understanding that it was up to you and not uh, some sort of uh, pharmaceutical uh, product yes, yes, uh, or yes. drugs that uh, would have helped you. And uh, finding that power uh, inside yourself, you know, to, to find a, an answer. Uh, I really, I really loved it. That, thank you so much. I mean, a really, really fascinating story. Yeah. So can we introduce craniosacral? First of all, is cranio and craniosacral the same thing? Yes, yes. Cranio is just short for what people call craniosacral therapy. And uh, what it is all about, it is actually very, very, very simple. It, um, you know, it started out as a speciality of osteopaths. Uh, at one point, some osteopath discovered that the brain and the spinal cord, yeah, they bathe in a fluid. There is the craniosacral fluid, and it's a remnant, yeah, of the amniotic fluid that is at the very, very, very beginning. When a body is still a few cells, there is already a fluid in that environment, in that little pouch, yeah. And that fluid, at one point, becomes the craniosacral fluid. And people have discovered from the very, very beginning, just a few days after conception, there is a tide happening in that fluid. There is a rhythmic, a rhythmic motion already happening. So, all right, when the body grows, the brain and spinal cord is what directs everything. And it bathes in that craniosacral fluid. Now, our therapy is all about giving space to brain and spinal cord so that the body can function or the brain can function a little better. And also, when you give space to the brain and 
spinal cord. The fluid that carries the life force is able to move much better, much easier. And yeah, bring that energy everywhere. Now, when I say the life force, it is almost magic because that fluid, we call it craniosacral fluid, is able to carry in itself electricity. It is filled with positive ions and positive ions is what electricity, energy is made of. And these ions, yeah, they're filtered out of the blood. They come in that fluid and that fluid is basically, we call it liquid light. Yeah, it goes into the brain. And of course, what does the brain need to function? Electricity. It needs positive ions. So that fluid moves through the brain, gives of its ions, its energy. And all right, now the brain can function. And then, of course, the fluid is out of ions, needs to be recharged. So we have a rhythm going. And yeah, that's basically, yeah, what we try to do is give more space to the skull. So the brain sits a little easier and then, yeah, the electricity can move a little better. So it's a, if I understand correctly, it's a kind of massage that you perform on the client. Well, you could say it's a massage because you touch the body. But the difference is, yeah, and that's big. The difference is instead of doing things, we don't do anything. We just touch. We touch, and when you touch, you know, when sometimes we sit at a certain point for five minutes, for ten minutes, and even longer, without moving, without moving the hand. So what's happening, one of the things that's happening to the body is when you touch, you want to feel what you're touching. So we don't touch and move immediately, no. We wait. And now, what is your pinky feeling? What is this finger feeling? What is this one and this one and this one? And your full hand. So when you touch that way, we call it conscious touch. Yeah, you become conscious of what it is that you're touching. And what is the body telling you? Yeah, it's not you and a body there. No, you touch to know. What is the other, the body, telling you? So if you do that, your mind cannot follow. It's either you're totally into feeling or you're thinking about. So we go totally into instant mindfulness and your brain stops functioning. Not the brain, but the mind stops functioning. So that's one thing. The second thing that happens when you touch more than a minute, the brain starts flooding the body with oxytocin, which is the hormone that binds a mom and a child. Yeah, that hormone makes them into mom and baby. They're one. Yeah, that's oxytocin at work. And we have the same flooding with our conscious touch. It just happens. And, okay, you as a practitioner and your client are being flooded. So there is this 
thing that disappears, you're not a therapist anymore, and the client is not a patient anymore. You're two human beings, totally connected in a space where the mind is put on pause. So then you can feel what the body actually is telling you. And that's such a different world that you don't do anything to the body, but you let the body show you what it needs, what you need, where you need to move your hands to. So that's a huge, huge difference. You talked about respect. To me, that's the ultimate respect, not to push something on a body, but to wait for the body to tell you, yeah, and not with words, but you feel where you need to go. It comes from that space of totally being connected with the other. So yeah, in our therapy, we open up what we call the diaphragms. There is certain places that are closed. Yeah, That's what education does. And we open them up so that the energy moves freely. And then we open up, yeah, we know how to connect to the different bones of the skull. And they tell us what their exact place at that moment needs to be. And it's so gentle, so subtle. Uh, but you know, they, yeah, the body suddenly feels respected. That's one thing. But also when the brain yeah, expands and gets more space, that is basically yeah, what we are going to do. It's interesting what you're saying because you mentioned that the therapist is no longer a therapist and the patient is no longer a patient. And there is this uh, uh, symbiotic uh, moment yeah. when they are together in, in, this, uh, in this journey. I like to call it journey. There is a lot of trust that uh, one person puts in, in the other. And especially for people that have been affected by some sort of trauma, for example, that can be particularly difficult to do. How do you break through that potential resistance that the person has or may have because of what happened to them? Yes, uh, that what happened to them is secondary. It comes first things that come is trust. And that trust is the touch, the conscious touch. And when you touch that a person that way, one of the things that will happen is the mind will stop. And the mind holds the trauma. The body also holds the trauma. But if you go to a place where it all started, yeah, and that's what basically uh, when we touch a body that way, we go to a place where the person connects to what we call the midline. Now, a little explanation is needed. When there is conception, an egg is fertilized, and now you have a fertilized egg. We call that the first, the mother of all stem cells. That cell becomes a body, which is trillions of cells. And that's not the end product. 
because every night the body has to replace millions and millions and millions of cells. It's an ongoing process, the creation of our body. Now, how does that work? Well, first, a stem cell, that original one, has to clone itself, meaning it's going to create a lot of cells, but cloning, what it is for a stem cell, it becomes suddenly two. And then those two also do that. Now you have four and then eight. Now, the beauty of this is every clone has the same potential as the original one. It doesn't lose any energy. That's amazing. They don't lose anything. They remain with the same energy and the same possibilities. And that goes on for a while until you have an amount of identical stem cells. And that is basically pure energy. There is no form yet. In Zen, we call that the form before form. There is no definition yet. There is no eye cells or hair. It's just cells that are pure potential. They can become anything that they want. Then they organize themselves in three layers. One layer will become the outside layer of the body, the layer that connects with the air. Another layer, the inside layer, will create the organs. It's a little more complicated than that in reality, but that's a short version. Now, the outside layer, the layer that creates the skin and the lining of the lungs, that layer, and this is mind-blowing, it's also going to create the brain and the whole nerve system. So your brain and nerves are basically skin. But if you go to the origin of life, the very first cells, their skin, their membrane, needed to become aware of the environment. What is food? What is danger? What is food? What is danger? The skin became aware of that. Now, in a complex organism, the skin alone cannot do that. Yeah? The skin also creates senses, eyes, ears. It's all specialized skin cells. And of course, to make sense of what the senses tell you, you need an organ. That's the brain. So there is your connection between outside layer and the brain and also survival as the basis for evolution. Without survival, no evolution. Yeah, so we are at the top of the food chain. We are specialized in surviving. And also we seem to have the most complex brain on the planet, maybe together with dolphins and so, but you know, we are so good at survival and also in evolution. There is these three layers, and this is what we use about trust. At a certain moment, these three layers of pure potential need to create, and they're gonna create eyes and ears and skin and organs, but chaotically. And that 
cannot survive. So something else is needed. So now you have these three cells. And then what appears in the middle is a line. Just a line. We call that the midline. And if that line doesn't appear, you have chaos. If it appears now, and that's the beauty of trust, every cell, every stem cell at that moment, when the midline appears, suddenly gets clarity about what their function will be, what they need to become in the body. Not just that, but also where in the body need to need they to migrate to to become a lung or a kneecap or a toe. They get clarity about what is their purpose, but also what is their placement in space and time. So the midline brings clarity on all levels the purpose, the placement in space, and time. Now, that midline is what we connect to when we connect to a client. That clarity of purpose, and this is before any trauma, before any mind is happening. The clarity of the cells, what is it yeah, that their potential is? And that's what we connect with, with the client. That same midline is active in all of us, our whole life. You could say that's the divine input of the cosmos in us, the clarity in how to create a body, how to live your life, how to deal with what is out there. And that's what brings trust. Plus, the conscious touch creates oxytocin what they knew from being a baby, that connection that creates love, because that's what oxytocin does. It creates oneness. It's a strange hormone. It creates oneness, love, pure love between a mom and a baby, but also between a client and the practitioner. Yeah, there is this bond that is being created and there is something else. Because of the bond, the client feels that they're not alone anymore. They are connected to another energy. Yeah? The conscious touch oxytocin creates oneness, meaning you're not your own energy, but you're the energy of yourself and of the practitioner. Now, on top of that, there is another aspect. The client recognizes that space of no mind, of oxytocin, of oneness, because every night, that's where you go to in deep sleep. Deep sleep is usually the safest place for a person. The world disappears. Everything disappears. And for the body, that's where healing happens. That's where the body recreates itself. So we have a whole bunch of, you could say, safety nets yeah, that are connected to our cranial work. So the client will feel safe. And that's the beginning for them to be able to start talking about maybe what happened. Yeah, 
to bring that out. Yes, the trauma that they went through. Yes. It, this is such a, an interesting view. I have to say, at least for my knowledge and my understanding, is uh, is quite uh, new. For those who are listening, and uh, might be at the very beginning of the sending of uh, of this uh, therapy, what they can use cranio for? Anything, you know, every every aspect of the body. Uh, of course, you know, when you break a bone, you better have it set. When you have an accident, then your brain is visible. Yeah, cranio will not help there. You need to go to hospital. But any ailment besides that, not just physical like headaches or back pain or something like that, but, you know, your organs, you have an immune thing. The first, one of the first classes that we teach is called talking to the heart. There is the silent work where you rearrange the bones, where you make the life force more functional inside. But then there is also the trauma. All of us have gone through some kind of things, yeah, that doesn't fit with us, yeah? People put so much on us. Now, the first class we take and look at trauma is talking to the heart. For a simple reason, the, the heart is the very first organ that is create, not created. The brain is created first, but isn't functioning. It takes a while for the brain to start functioning. But the heart is the very first organ that is functioning in the body. And that's about 18 days after conception. There is cells that start the heartbeat. They become the heart. They grow into the heart. But that heartbeat is already there. Those cells are starting to function. And so you can say the heart has seen it all your whole life. Everything that happens, the heart knows about. And this is the problem. In the beginning of life, the heart is so vulnerable. You are still need so much help to become an adult, to be powerful, to tell people no, to keep people away from you, to not being used or abused or whatever it is. And that can be your siblings, that can be your mom, it can be your dad, it can be your teachers. Anybody is more powerful than you. So your heart needs protection. And luckily, nature provided the heart with the pericardium, and that's called the heart protector. And its job is to protect the heart so the heart can grow into an adult heart. But then you become an adult and you wonder, why is it that I have so much trouble receiving love? What is there that prevents that? Or why is it that I cannot give love? Or I try to give, but it never arrives. It doesn't seem to work. Why is it that every time I like somebody, it's impossible to let that come in? Now, that's the, the work of the heart protector. It often has become so strong that it is impossible for the heart to come out of there and to, yeah, 
do its job, which is connect and give love and receive love. So that's the first thing we're going to look at, at the person's heart protector. Yeah, Is it possible to give love or receive love? And then we give the heart protector a voice. You know, we ask the client, are you able, are you willing to lend your voice to your heart protector? And then we have a conversation with the heart protector. And of course, the client is going to feel how that heart protector functions. And then that's the skill that we learn then. Can you transform the heart protector in a way that is needed at this point in your life? How do you want it to be? So we give the client a connection to their own protection. Do you still need it or not? And if needed, why do you still need it? What is there that prevents you from softening that position of the heart protector? And then, of course, you know, the trauma, they start talking about it. What is it they're afraid of? But in a sense that the trauma is not the most important thing. The most important thing at that moment is how can you change the heart protector? So we divert their attention a little bit away from the trauma into how can we change? How well can we transform how the body and the heart functions? So it makes trauma work a little bit easy. And then there is another aspect also. Then we go instead of into the trauma itself, the story, we explain to the client how the brain deals with trauma, which areas the trauma is stored in. And if there is trauma stored somewhere, for the brain it is static electricity. It is something that's interfering with the normal functioning of the brain. So we use and we become an electrician at that point. Yeah, we know the different spots where trauma resides. And then we connect to them. And for a brain, which is an electric apparatus, it's all electricity. Trauma is not a story for the brain. No, it's electricity. It's stored electricity that cannot move. So when we connect, that stored electricity can leave. It's like a lightning rod. Yeah, it's like the tree, uh, electricity and the earth that you put in the plug. We play the earth. So the excess energy can leave. And then, of course, the trauma becomes a little bit less. And now we can talk about yeah, it's not that huge, huge emotional thing. No, we let go of it. And now we're ready to talk about it in a much easier way. This is such an interesting way of looking at the trauma and how we get stuck in, yes. its, uh, in these emotions. Yes. So talking about uh, going into cranio, are there specific things that one person need to prepare for, for example, for the first session or things they should be aware of 
some they, they need to be uh, conscientious about no not at all you know with with this therapy it's so easy you know people keep their clothes on the only thing i ask if it's a woman is to loosen the bra so that there is no tightness around the, the chest but for, you know you just go on the table and of course if you go to a person it means there is a connection if you feel that this is the right person you know then you just go for it and it is not going to be about trauma it's going to be about relaxation that's the very first thing that we do we make the person feel what relaxation is yeah and of course you know there were some people will yeah feel that connection still there with with trauma but they start connecting with that midline and that midline is all about clarity yeah clarity for the body means how to go how to relax how to get out of that continuous continuous uh, stressful situation that they are in especially you know trauma can be a burnout of the same work over and over and over again and not being able to share your heart your emotion how you feel with your colleagues yeah if you're on an island yeah so when we connect to a body that's where we go we connect to hey this is a place where that the client feels this is a place where i can just let it all go even for an hour or half an hour there is a place that it doesn't bother me anymore yeah there is a safe spot here and that's i think uh the basis of all of it yeah that's what we can provide easily yeah with our touch with the oxytocin with the midline and the client starts to feel also hey i know this place i know this space this softness this calmness this relaxation i know it from when i was a child i know it from those moments in deep sleep that i feel really feel that i can be in that deep sleep so we bring them to that very very safe space and then yeah if things comes up we have the skills to ask about it and you know not make it into now we're going to go into the trauma no softly softly one little thing after the other that the person on the table feels there is somebody that can listen the hands yeah we call them they listen to the body yet yeah, they listen to what the body has to say so if that trust is there then slowly the client will start talking because it's one of our methods also is to relax all these muscles that keep the mouth closed so that the person is able to tell the story if they need to and most of us need to be heard yeah. we need to be listened to and without interruption 
Yeah, I absolutely love that because I think with uh, trauma, any form of trauma, it's very difficult to relax, but it's very difficult to trust others. So finding that place where you feel safe and you feel that you you can trust the other person, you can relax, you can talk about what happened. I think it's uh, extremely important. So uh, I, I love, absolutely love this uh, aspect of, of this uh, this therapy. What is um, the connection with, if any, with Reiki? Yes, you know, just to add a little bit about what we were talking about, the trust, you know, uh, people have gone through so much stuff. So what we, and that's, that's the beauty also of Reiki, uh, we make the body feel that it's okay. And then the mind will follow then the psychology will follow. If the body feels okay, then the rest will come by itself. Now, the connection with Reiki is, you know, it's also putting your hands on, yeah, and connecting to a body. So that's fantastic. The difference is that we study the body in how does it all work, yeah, Reiki is connecting and letting the life force come up. We now, you could say that this is Reiki plus a deep understanding how the brain works, how the cranial fluid works in the body, how the body works. So there is a, a deeper, uh, an addition to the connection that Reiki has. And usually, yeah, most Reiki people will, at a certain point, yeah, become curious. How does the body work? Yeah, it's one thing to touch, but the mind is sometimes needed, needs to know. Of course, the mind needs to know, so it can relax. So it needs to know, okay, when I touch, what happens, literally, what happens in the body? And that's what cranio can offer. To, as an addition, yeah, to just touching. And I say to just touch, but that's not right. The word just is not right. Touch is what makes us human. Yeah, yeah to be able to touch, to be able to trust, to touch and feel trust because you touch. That's what makes us human. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, if we think about the experience in the last few years with the pandemic and the fact that we were all isolated, uh, I think uh, one of the missing aspects that really was uh, we, we experienced was really this lack of uh, interaction and not just verbal interaction, but also touching we had masks and we had gloves and we had to keep a distance so a lot of people probably felt that lack of uh, connection really physical yeah, it was well. dehumanizing actually that whole forced pandemic yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people really suffered because of that and uh, all the uh, issues with mental health that we learned and learned about it probably was connected to that aspect as well. Etienne, you wrote a book talking yeah. about cranio with babies and, and children. Yes. And, uh, and I wanted to ask you the difference of uh, using this therapy with adults and children. 
and uh, what is the beneficial aspect on on children well you know it's about the same for adults and children but you know especially babies uh, moms going to a hospital it's such a forced situation to be in a hospital to give birth to have medication to have the baby taken away after birth only the aspect of cutting the umbilical cord that alone who in his mind brings aggression to birthing but it happens everywhere we're all cut off but that's so unnatural yeah but anyway a baby goes through a birthing canal that's too small that's what birthing is a baby you could say needs to be embodied yeah the soul needs that pressure all right now you're a body but especially nowadays we in the last 100 150 years bodies have become weaker because we sit so much and the muscles become not so strong anymore so birthing is becoming a problem babies especially now when they come out they need space their brain needs space the mothers need to be helped so that the baby can immediately go and find what i call liquid love because that's what mom has to give the baby and the baby shouldn't be separated from its mom everything they do in a hospital is against oxytocin that creation of oneness and cutting the baby away and weighing the baby and all that stuff that they do is so unnecessary because the baby to be total in love with mom and mom with the baby they need to be together and also you know they need a little help with rearranging the bones and it is so easy at that moment to create a recall or help a baby fantastic etienne i would like to connect with your beautiful story that you told us at the very beginning and in particular with the concepts of uh, compassion that you mentioned for the virus that initially affected yeah. you uh, the acceptance for what happened and uh, that it was uh, your uh, your doing and i want to include another concept in be- in in between them and the concept is uh, forgiveness yeah and uh, i would like to ask you what are your thoughts about forgiveness and uh, particular self forgiveness and was there a, a role in your story and in general in uh, the story of the people that you see in uh, in your line of work well you know i always struggle with the word forgiveness yeah for me in my own experience i would l- replace that with acceptance accepting what i did in the first place and you know well yeah i can forgive myself i have a whole reasoning for that to forgive myself but bas- basically where i ended up is accepting that it was me that brought me there yeah and forgiveness in the first place yeah is about 
yourself, not others. That's their thing. Yeah, others live their lives, do their things, uh, and sometimes they hurt you. Sometimes they hurt you willfully. Sometimes they have no idea that they hurt you. But what is your own role in all of it? And can you accept? Yeah. Can I accept what I did for myself, hurting other people, hurting myself, hurting my body? Can I accept that? And if that happens, and I accept it even now, you know, there is still things I'm learning. Yeah. And it is always about myself. Yeah. I have still the tendency to point the finger at others. Yeah. Like you started it. Yeah. But it's always, always about self reflection. Yeah. What is it that you brought out that was not clear? Yeah. So the acceptance of my own role, I think that's. I could call that forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree with, with that. Is uh, for me is uh, is that and there is that uh, permission that I give myself to move away from what happened and say, okay, this happened is in the past. I accept what happened and now I'm ready to move on. For me, that is uh, really uh, now that you cannot move on. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. So coming back to you for the final uh, couple of questions, uh, is there anything that is going on now with Cranio, with your work that you want to mention and share with us? Well, yeah, you know, they, uh, we just brought out uh, our last year, our first online class. It's a basic class and uh, I guide people through a session. I explain where they have to put their hands. And then I guide them through a session. And regularly, people can, we have a Zoom regularly, where they can ask questions about it. So we brought that out so people all over the world, yeah, or even people who don't have access to a craniosacral person can still get a feel about it. So that's the first thing that we brought out. And then a few months ago, we uh, uh, worked on the second thing that comes online, which is self-help. How can you do it on yourself? How can you, what can you do to relieve tensions in your own body? So that's the beginning of the whole series. We're going to put the whole course online. And uh, yes, what I am doing is I am finishing at this point, it's in its very last stage, a second book, which is about what our program is all about, what the connection is with meditation, what we added to the cranial work. There is a few things that are so new because cranial is still in a developing space. And one of the things that is added very recently to our cranial work is, yeah, and of course I'm not doing that, but it is one of the most forgotten areas in the body. And my life companion, she's doing this work, is vaginal work, where you connect inside to the fascia of the vagina, and that's 
where so much trauma is stored for a woman. That's a new development in our work. And of course, this is not done by men. Men have no business there. That is going on. And for the rest, we travel a little bit around the world wherever we're invited to do this work. And all right, the next thing I'm doing is I just developed master classes about 10 day classes working with the brain. So that's a little bit beyond cranio, where we go into the brain and rearrange. Funny to say that, but we can rearrange this, how the brain looks, how, how it's formed, how we open up ventricles inside the brain and release so much uh, tension there. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Very oh, funny. man, this is so <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely fascinating. So if people would like to know a little bit more about you, where they can go and find you? Craniorocks.com. Uh, rocks like rock and roll. Craniorocks, one word, all small letters. Craniorocks.com. And then you're guided into our website. Fantastic. So as always, we will put all the links in the description of today's episode so people can find you on the other side. Etienne, final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Well, you know, go for cranio, but that's already one. But secondly, you know, there is such a, a peaceful environment, you know, Go into nature. Let nature nourish you. If you don't have access to cranio, let nature nourish you. Absolutely love that. And I absolutely agree with that. Well, I hope that this episode has shed light on the principles and techniques of this gentle and holistic therapy, providing valuable insights for those interested in exploring this approach to healing and well-being. And to highlight the gentle touch used in craniosacral therapy and its potential to promote healing and well-being in a holistic way, I want to leave you with a quote from Mother Teresa who said, the most basic human need is the need to feel loved and appreciated. And the most profound way to demonstrate love is through touch. Etienne, well, thank you so much for accepting our invitation and for uh, sharing your positive message and your fantastic story. I loved every moment of this conversation. Thank you so much. Okay, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. If you have tried cranial therapy, then let us know what your experience was. And if you haven't, I believe we have stimulated your curiosity at the very least. But if you have questions that perhaps we didn't address today, get in touch and let us know. We will strive to seek the answers for you. And also don't forget to check Etienne's website and to follow him on social media. You will find all the links in the description of today's episode. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, 
comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.